everyone. Welcome to There's a System to This Madness podcast. I am your host, Osaze Shabazz. Each week, I talk about the difficult situations we face by peeling back the layers of politics, education, and culture. Starting off, there was a shooting in Metro Atlanta, Georgia, that, in my opinion, was based around hate. I've heard all the different, I guess, justifications. Some of them even came from the killer himself, which I just find that so odd. You ask a killer what was really going on, and along with always saying that it was not my fault, I couldn't help it, or this was going on, And then the police actually comes out and reports that, you know, hey, you all got it wrong. Pretty much. I just spoke to this killer. And he actually told me really what was going on. It's not what you think. It wasn't about hate. He was trying to. I guess squash his sex drive. And these eight individuals that he killed, six being Asian women, uh, seven of them women, one man, and pretty much you just go with that. You just saying, okay, oh well, let's let's change everything. Yeah, oh my, ah, this is just such bullshit. You know, I just look at it like. It is it is sickening how even the whole media tried to spin this to get you to believe that this individual, like I said, based on his own statements, you know, they made it like he's trying to resolve his own issues by going into a spa and killing people. And they are actually trying to feed this bullshit to people. Then you sit there and say, well, you know, you're trying to lay out, I guess, a back paper trail of his history affiliated with this church and how he was frequently going to these places. You know, you don't know if he's going in there for sexual um, services, I guess I don't know how what else to how to put it, because you know he he looks he looks based on his picture he looks like an individual that just gets so stressed out where he has to have a massage on a weekly basis. He just got you know he just got that look. You know his his life is so stressed out at 21 years old. You know, don't even say whether or not he was working or anything or how he's making money. But it's obvious he's getting it from somewhere because if he's a frequent visitor visitor to a Asian massage parlor, he's getting resources from someplace. But, you know, they they don't get into all this. But, you know, they so focus on trying to make it seem like he's a victim or he has some type of mental issue. But let's let's keep this real. Let's keep this 100. 
even if they go for that bullshit or try to get you to go for that, one thing you have to understand that there is no doubt that this was premeditated first degree murder. That's one thing that was not something that you can get around. Now, if you don't want to pin hate crime on this guy, you have to pin the fact that he premeditated and committed first degree murder because he was a frequent visitor at these places. So he pinpointed these places. He actually made a plan, a schedule that he was going to go to these individual places and kill these people. And had he not been caught, he was heading down to Florida. So he should be hit with premeditated. I don't know if there's such thing as a premeditated murder for attempted murder, attempted first degree murder. And he just couldn't carry it out because his silly ass got caught. But without a doubt, he still should get the death penalty. In fact, in my opinion, the reason that they want to squash this, I guess the race hate part is because then you have to look at what, what else did he get these viewpoints from? Where else is he being influenced by? Now, they want to say that, you know, he was, he was deep into the church, which we know that these churches in North Georgia particularly have their views. They're very cons conservative. You know, they're, they're Trump supporters, Republican supporters. And then with, you know, Trump saying stuff like the COVID virus is the China flu and Asian Americans being constantly harassed since Trump made this this statement at the beginning of COVID, which is now over a year old. He even made the statement again at the CPAC convention, calling it the China flu. So then there was a congresswoman on the floor trying to justify her reasons for not supporting any of the stimulus package and called it the China flu. You know, all types of, you know, bullshit that Asian Americans have been going, going through since Trump has made that statement. So to sit here and try to hide it, I get it. I see why they're trying to sidetrack it. Then on top of that, you got the spokesman, for the Cherokee County Sheriff Department, now it's coming out that he has some issues with Asian Americans. He has paraphernalia that indicates that he was saying statements calling COVID the China flu. So, you know, which in a place like Cherokee County, it's, it's, not, it's but so large. Now, to my understanding, the murderer... He's from Woodstock, Georgia. Uh, I don't know exactly where is the sheriff department. I don't know if the sheriff knew the uh, individual, but it's just ironic that he went straight to his defense. It is ironic that he actually spoke on the behalf in defense. I've never seen that before. 
I'm sure when a person is captured and they interrogate them and the police is like, well, you know, we got information. We can't release it yet because everything is still being investigated. But the individual has, you know, spoken with us and we're going to release this information at a later time. But the same day, immediately after you catch him, the first thing the police officer, the, the captain of the sheriff department actually comes out and said, I talked to the suspect and he indicated to me that this was not any type of hate crime. He wasn't motivated by hate. You know, you're talking to but but you won't say to say how he did, in fact, have a plan in place and he carried out that plan. You won't say that, but you want to focus on how he was indicating that it's not a hate crime, but he has a strong sex addiction. So he carried out premeditated first degree murder. See, he never called him that. Not once did he say these things to him because now you find out that this individual, this spokesperson, this police officer, he got hate crime issues. His dirty laundry is about to be exposed. This whole thing is, is such bullshit. While at the same time, this guy kills eight individuals that all they did was go to work. They woke up, got ready, and went to work. Their family members that said goodbye to a person that left to go to work and thinking, okay, you know, we'll have dinner tonight at such and such time, or hey, mom or sis, when you get home tonight, can you help me with my homework? Or you know, normal type of shit that you just do because you're not expecting that somebody's going to come into your place of work and shoot you. I mean, do you not get it? Then to turn on your news after your loved one has been murdered for the police representative to actually say that your loved one was gunned down because a person was trying to squash or quelch their sex drive, that they were trying to carry out God's word. This is this is what and and the media is going to allow for this to go unchecked. And people don't understand why people of color don't trust the media. People don't understand why there is definitely a racial gap between white people and people of color. I mean, if the media would have just flat out said, hey, dude, we'll look into the sexual allegations and all this. But right now, this shit coincides with all the rhetoric that the previous president was saying, 
calling referring to COVID virus as the China flu and the number of harassment cases against Asian Americans has skyrocketed. And we get this and you can't correlate any type of linkage. This, I mean, this is straight bullshit. It reminds me when I read Michelle Obama's book and she was just saying how she will never forgive Donald Trump when he made the statement that Barack Obama was not an American citizen, that he was Kenyan. And when Trump made these statements to his followers, which in a lot of cases are a bunch of idiots, and Trump knew this. First of all, he knew Barack Obama was not born in Kenya. He knew the type of mental level of his followers. But they don't understand when they say stuff like this, they do not understand the full reaction that those followers and how they're going to take that statement. Michelle Obama indicated that she would never forgive him because of the number of death threats that not only Barack Obama received, but the number of death threats that was made against herself her children and her family because of a stupid rhetoric statement made by an ignorant ass white man and indicated that something simple that this guy was trying to run for president while being deceptive. And you say that to somebody such as this individual who feels that he could squash his sexual drive with killing innocent individuals. This is what we're dealing with. Not to mention, we're still dealing with these white folks still believing that Joe Biden is not their president because that same idiot is still going around spousing off the fact that the election was stolen from him. This is the same idiot that refuses to tell his followers, hey, you need to get vaccinated because it's not going to do any good for everybody else to get vaccinated. And let's just say, hypothetically speaking, the individuals that voted for him, the 75 million that are indicating that they are not going to get vaccinated when, in fact, Trump and his family have been vaccinated, but he won't tell his followers to go get vaccinated. How stupid are these people? And then going back to this killer, you know, another thing is they have not really connected him to any type of political party. They connected him to a church and it said, uh, and to my understanding, description said a conservative church. But to me, they, they, I hope they look at his voting records or if he has social media accounts or track his previous movements, you know, to indicate that, you know, he's a conservative thinking person, which in today's definition, 
can easily be defined as a white supremacist. Let's move on. George Floyd family settled for $27 million. Needless to say, it should have been more. Ironically, this was the first time, to my knowledge, that a black victim received more than a white victim in a similar case. Because, and what I'm referring to is the um, Minneapolis case that involved a police shooting of a white woman from Australia, a tourist, Justine, I think her name was Justin or Justine Damon. This took place back in July 15th of 2017. You know, um, she was shot and killed by a police officer and there was a settlement for $20 million, which of course, you know, I, I remember the story. I just didn't look into it because I don't even think that story really made major headlines. And to my understanding, the settlement was quick. I mean, I don't think nobody, I don't think white folks uh, protested or anything like that because they just, they don't do that. It was just, you know, to them, you know, I guess it's because it's a rarity and they, I don't, you know, I don't know how white folks think. But either way, so for George Floyd's family to get $27 million, which, you know, I'm not going to say that one killing is, I guess, has a more impact on another. But my understanding, the situation in 2017, it was more like mistaken identity, whereas the world witnessed Derek Chavez, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name, the police officer, kneeling on the neck of George Floyd on video. They saw this and they saw him kill this man in front of the world. So, I mean, a $7 million difference, to me, that's a, that's a bullshit amount. Let me say this, without a doubt, we want police officers to stop killing people of color. However, when this lawsuit happened and settlements for astronomical amounts take place, it's going to have an impact on the cities and the police officers. It's going to make police chiefs. It's going to make city council people. It's going to make the mayor say, hey, this shit can't happen. You all got to do something. You got to have a different tactic. I mean, you think about it. Going back to the Atlanta situation, this white boy shoots these places up three different locations. He shoot them up and this motherfucker don't have a scratch on him. You know, like I said, he's alive to tell his side of the story. Go figure that shit. If he would have shot up an establishment with eight white women in Cherokee County, that whole story would have been different. There's no doubt in my mind. Okay, let's keep, let's keep going. One of the takeaways that I got from the 
State of the Union address from um, President Biden was, first of all, he did lower the age in regards to the virus. First of all, he made it for people 55, which that allowed for myself to become eligible, which since the last podcast, I have got the first shot and I'm slated to get the next one in about three weeks. And, you know, just to piggyback off that, didn't really feel no side effects. You know, my arm where they shot the needle in, it was a little sore. Didn't feel no weakness. I mean, I was back at the gym, um, normal routine. It's just, you know, that soreness in my arm. But like I said, pretty much didn't really feel nothing from it. Um, Biden was saying that by May 1st, it should be set up that a greater number of people should be vaccinated faster because, you know, the age, I guess they're still focusing on trying to get seniors in. However, this has been the focus since, you know, the vaccines have been rolled out. So pretty much come May 1st, they're going to move the age down to 18, which that's going to pretty much get everything opened up, which, you know, I, I, I've always said that it should just be opened up to everybody. But when they open it up to 55, and I think the, at 55, I still think it should have been 45. Put in a, um, put that, you know, make the group larger. But he's also indicated by July 4th, the majority of the country should not only be vaccinated, the majority of the country should be reopened. So, I mean, you know, I'm I'm looking I'm looking forward to that. I don't think what he's saying is that on July 4th. That everybody will be able to have a barbecue. And not deal with any type of repercussions. However, what I'm thinking that trying to indicate is that there's going to be a strong sense of normalcy that is going to return to the United States. Earlier, I had said that I felt that he was going to have to shut the country down to make this happen and just have a month of just massive vaccinations to get things in place in a rapid response. But the way that they've been doing it, I mean, it seems to be going well. I mean, if they're telling the truth about these numbers, I can see July 4th. I guess July 4th, that's, you know, that's that, you know, summer vacation time, blah, blah, blah. You know, I was even thinking, you know, hey, maybe Labor Day. I don't even want to focus on around a holiday. I'm just thinking around September 1st or Maybe even October 1st, things could be pretty much back to normal. I still believe that some things are going to be in place. I believe that we still probably will be wearing masks. I still believe that there are going to be a lot of jobs that will now be set up from home. I believe the schooling system is going to be totally different. I believe that the kids that supposedly graduate 
either in May or June, I think a handful of those kids are going to be properly prepared to go to the next level. I believe that even when a child graduates from high school, get a high school diploma, or I should say all children that get a high school diploma, they're still not prepared for college. But I think that number is it's going to be greatly reduced. It's going to be greatly reduced when the dust clears. And those credits are realigned. There are going to be a number of kids, particularly like the juniors or upcoming seniors that are going to be rudely awakened to the fact that this ain't going to be your senior year or whatever year you thought this was going to be. This is not going to happen. Now, the kids going into the ninth grade. Yeah, I think they're going to be the ones that will feel things back on norm, go back to normal. But at the same time, they're also going to be the kids that going to probably be under some type of new educational structure. So, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this really how they how this really um, works out. Let's talk about how Joe Biden should give the Trump administration some credit for how they started the process of the vaccination. Counter, you know, with the ideal that the Trump administration progress did not even scratch the surface, though, of what Joe Biden has accomplished. At the pace Trump was moving, it probably would have been anywhere between five to 10 years of where we were going. And I truly believe, let's say devil's advocate, Donald Trump would have won a second term. We would not even be talking like this. Let's say Donald Trump won a second term and the Republicans controlled the Senate. We would not we're not we would not even be talking like this. I mean, if you you hate to think about things like that. This is why I don't I don't understand why the Democrats don't make people think about things like this. If I was a Democrat, if I was part of the Democrat marketing system, I would remind people what would have taken place had they won. Had Georgia not sent two Democrat senators to Washington, had Donald Trump won the presidency, the stimulus package, the rollout of the vaccines, all of this stuff. The stuff that we are entitled to, the progress that have been made in basically two months, two months. The things that I think Joe Biden just went over 50 days in office. Basically two months. And the progress that he has made, like I said, we wouldn't have had this progress with Trump for at least five years. Easily. 
it wouldn't it wouldn't have happened during his second administration. And I do not understand why the Democrats will not remind the American people of this fact. I mean, if you you look at the breakdown of the stimulus package. Again, I said this in the previous podcast, $1.9 trillion versus $600 billion proposed by the Republican. $500 billion of that was to go to businesses, corporations, so that they can put in legal preventions so individuals will not sue them when they force these individuals to come back to work. This is where the Republicans, this is where they focus was at. I mean, it would have been a $1.3 trillion difference in the stimulus package. And like I said, you know, um, in the lab, last podcast, you know, broke down, you know, what these things in, entail, what we what we got from this stimulus package. That's it is 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 crazy to think what if this party would have won the White House and kept the Senate? You know, it's just like. It's just like right now, they lost the White House and they lost the Senate. So now, pretty much, they have no say-so. So now they got to do stupid things to keep people distracted. They got to, and I say people, they're people. So, of course, the stimulus package, they pass with no Republican support in the House, in the Senate. So, of course, to keep individuals from focusing on this, now they're talking about the changes that are being made to Mr. Potato Head. You know, I mean, first, I'm like, I don't even want to read this story because I know it's stupid. But I'm like, you know, I hate not knowing. But I mean, okay, the the story is Mr. Potato Head and Miss Potato Head. They're made by a company called Hasbro. I'm familiar with this company because I grew up with this country company. This is the company that made the G.I. Joe. That's when I grew up. G.I. Joe was like a 12 inch figure. I mean, the boxes for the the Jeep and the other vehicles that G.I. Joe rode in was so big, I used to use them as a toy box. But, okay, Hasbro decided that they're going to put Mr. Potato Head and Miss Potato Head in the same box. So instead of you having a separate Mr. Potato Head and a Miss Potato Head, you're going to get one potato head because Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head are the same. 
and they just going to put all of the male and female parts into one box. Yeah, you know, man, I I don't get it. Okay, you put it all in one box, you decide how you want your potato head to be. I guess this would prompt a person to say, I want the female eyelashes on the male lips or the female ears with the male shoes or the female. I I don't get it. I, I, you know, I just I just don't get it. And this this is causing an uproar. And I mean, this, this I, I know from an intellectual part. The Congress, you know, and I, you know, I used to say uh, Congress individuals were smart, but, you know, it's you can't say that no more. This batch of Congress people that's being sent to Washington. We got the woman from Georgia, from North Georgia. It's, it's one thing when she makes these outlandish statements, you know, in her district, you know, to get the spotlight put on her. But then she runs for office. She wins. But she doesn't pull back. So, of course, you know, yeah, we know the story, you know, Congresswoman Green, where they stripped of her power. So, of course, she's going to be probably a one term individual because she can't do nothing. You know, this this to me was the Democrat flexing real power because that that district has no voice whatsoever. They have a congresswoman that just basically she's going to get paid. She's going to do two years and she has no influence. Yeah, she could probably continue to get on a soapbox and just keep barking and barking and barking. But in terms of anybody coming to will and deal with her to say, hey, we could we could use you in this aspect. No, they can't. She has no leverage. So her district, they won't get shit for two years. So, of course, they're going to they gonna replace her. They're already lining up. Conservatives, Democrats, they're already lining up to take her seat. And she just got sworn in. So for the next pretty much 24 months, she ain't going to, I mean, think about it. And I guess she probably never thought that they could do that because she's a dumbass. She don't know how politics work. Another thing I want to talk about was the Voting Rights Act and how the Democrats can take the steps to, you know, solidify this. Um, of course, one of the things that they're saying that may have to take place with this situation is that you need 60 votes. Okay. If the Democrats put this on the floor, 
and they don't have the 60 votes, the Republican senators can use the filibuster. But the Democrats can do away with the filibuster. My thing is this. Put it on the floor and see all the Republicans that actually put their name on the line to reject it. That way you will have actual names by individuals that are rejecting the voting rights of pretty much people of color. Because all this bullshit that's going on in these states right now, this is real, especially in the state of Georgia. The stuff that they are putting in place, it's, it's right now, it is believed that there are up to 250 new voting restrictions that are being implemented and passed in the state of Georgia. And all this can be resolved if the Democrats simply vote on a voting rights bill. I mean, I don't even get the hesitation. You know, I can easily say I, I don't understand why it is taking this long. But what I mean, you, you're going to wait for the Republicans to join in. And for what? Because see, the thing is, of course, you're asking the Republicans to lift the restrictions for a group of people that have a history of voting damn near 100% Democrats. So I don't, I don't understand why the Democrats are even dragging their feet because, well, I, I know why. They're, they're concerned that they're going to be some type of payback if the Republicans ever uh, um, get, regain control. This is the issue that cowards have when you're focusing more on the reactions of doing good than the actual benefits of the good deed that you've done. One of the things that, you know, because I'm also reading Barack Obama's book, but he's constantly saying he is not going to worry about things that may jeopardize him getting a second term. He states it over. In fact, um, the part of the book that I'm in, I'm still, I think, is in the first, maybe the second year of his first term. He's constantly indicating that he's not worried about it. And he's being told constantly, if you do this, you could jeopardize getting a second term. And he's like, that's not what I'm here for. I want to do as much as I can in this first term. If it costs me a second term, so be it. See, that's, that's what the definition of utilizing your full power, your full authority. This is the mindset you're supposed to have when you take on a position, when you become a police officer. I don't know why people have this mindset that as a police officer, as a military soldier, 
that there may be a time where you have to face danger because that's really what your whole purpose for putting on that uniform. But for some reason, Democrats, they have, I, you, Demo, you know, Democrats have that mindset. I, I got distracted in my mind. It's like, I know, I know people in my field and I'll use this, you know, I'll use this field. There are therapists that are licensed. You know, to get a license in the state of Georgia, you have to have your master's. You have to have a certain amount of hours. Then you have to, you know, get tested, pass the test. Once you get the test, you know, lo and behold, you are a licensed therapist. Everybody praises the person. Oh, my God, you made a major compliment. Blah, 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 blah. Agencies love it because, of course, you know, the billing is going to be different. But what I always, always notice that when a person get that license, they shut down. They do not utilize that license to its fullest because now they become so protective of the license that the license, it don't benefit nobody. Their focus now is just it's like as if Superman became Superman is like, okay, I'm scared to use my powers. Or you buy a nice car, but you're afraid to drive it. It don't serve a purpose. To me, this is how the Democrats in Congress are. They're more focused on blowback. And my thing is that if you demonstrate to the people what your actions are and how your actions benefit them and they see it, you would not have to worry about the Republicans coming back. The problem with a party that's in charge, especially in the White House, in the midterms, when things are not going well because you made all these promises and a person wakes up and say, nothing in my life has changed. I voted for this person. Now, they got four years, but the Congress that's behind them are up for grabs. I'm going to change. But if you make it so that things got better for the American people in two years, it's, there should be no reason why more seats in the House and the Senate should be gained by the Democrat Party. First of all, they got to deliver on everything they put forward during the campaigns. Second, they got to make sure that they let the American people know what they would have gotten if the Republicans had control of everything. I do not understand why Democrats have not shown the American people these are the individuals that did not vote for the stimulus package. These are the individuals that propose a $600 billion 
package versus the 1.9 trillion package that was passed. They should line, they should have an outline of what the Republicans package was going to include versus the the items that their package is presenting, what their package is saving, how these packages are going to help children move out of poverty, how these packages are going to offer stimulus, because let's be real, they send the checks out. Most people, they're not going to save that money. They're not going to use, they're going to, you know, either spend it on bills that they already are behind or they're going to buy it for things that probably never even thought about using it for. Or, you know, I mean, I got clients. I'm like, hey, use use this money to buy, buy you some teeth. Use this money to buy you some glasses. Use this money to educate yourself. You think they're going to do that? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to buy all kinds of stuff. So basically, I would, I would love to know the percentage of how much of this money just goes back into the stores. I would definitely love how much of this money is going to go to Walmarts and how much of this money is going to go to Amazon and so forth. But the Democrats need to let the American people know it was them that did this. You know, get the voting rights passed. Or if you don't pass it, put the Republicans on blast that is holding it up. Sometimes I even say, let them do the filibuster so the American people can see that they are holding up your voting rights. In Washington, they're holding up your voting rights while in states like Georgia and Arizona, they are stripping everything away that's going to hinder you from voting, particularly in the midterms. This is what the Democrats should be doing. Even this whole thing with Mr. Potato Head or, you know, I forgot about Dr. Seuss, you know, how they're now focusing on, you know, defending the blatant racist image in the Dr. Seuss books, but they just want their followers or the American people to be distracted. Another, another distraction from them not supporting the stimulus package. I just, I just don't, I just do not understand why the Democrats do not go after the, thro the throats of the Republican and they just avoid issues and subjects that should get the American people thinking that these people are not for them. I don't get it. Last but not least, I want to pay respect to uh, individual passed away, Newark, New Jersey's own Mr. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Now, I grew up in the age of, you know, seeing some of Muhammad Ali fights, uh, 
Mike Tyson, I mean, pretty much was almost the same age. And also, marvelous Marvin Hagler. Now, although, you know, Hagler was a middleweight, to me, back, you know, in the 80s, that was the dominant, that was the dominant class because you had Sugar Ray Leonard, you had Roberto Duran, you had Tommy Hearns. And what was so unique about these fighters was that pretty much that middleweight class, I think it's like 160, you know, that, you know, they weren't, they weren't, how can I say, they weren't featherweights, but they were fast. Of course, they weren't heavyweights, but they had power. If you, you remember Marvin Hagler, oh my gosh, this guy was a beast, you know, coming in there bald headed. Pretty much wore the same trunks, didn't do a lot of talking. But one thing about Hagler, he fought every top boxer in that class. Everyone, except for Sugar Ray Leonard. He didn't fight Sugar Ray Leonard until I think it was 1987, which by then, I want, gosh, Hagler, I don't, I don't want to say he was 40, but pretty much, I think. Him and Sugar Ray Leonard both came out of retirement. Sugar Ray Leonard pretty much was fighting individuals after they started, you know, kind of declining. So he fights Hagler pretty much. It goes the distance. They give the fight to Sugar Ray Leonard, which everybody to this day felt that Hagler was robbed. I believe that the judges really was trying to get Hagler to fight Leonard again, which of course the rematch probably would have been, you know, it probably would have been crazy. But, you know, this this guy was the quintessential professional boxer. He didn't do a lot of talking, but he showed a lot of action. And see, the thing is, I have this thing about when a professional athlete retires on top and they don't even think about coming back. Because they are like, I did what I could do. What's done is done. I'm done. And this is what Hagler, this is what Hagler was about. I mean, I'll be truthful. I was disappointed that he was only 66 years old. So, I, you know, I mean, my understanding, you know, COVID um, played a part in him passing. You know, there was some speculation that, you know, his health went down further after he took the um, vaccines. You know, I don't know about all that. There's just things I heard. But either way, you know, I've always admired and been a fan of marvelous Marvin Hagler. You know, may he rest in peace. All right, guys, thanks for listening to There's a System to This Madness podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe. To continue the discussion that we had today, make sure to check out our Facebook page. See y'all next week.